So good. Uh, Romans, just an introduction today. Romans chapter 14. I had it in my phone, but I'm going to read it out of my Bible. Is that all right? Mm. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I just felt that someone needed to hear that this morning. The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is in righteousness, in joy, and in peace. Someone say amen to that. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, God is your portion of peace today. He's also your portion of joy, and I encountered some joy during our worship. How about you? Yeah, there was just a nice presence of joy in the place. Why don't we stand to our feet and just stretch our legs for a moment, and we'll just encounter his peace really quickly. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord, for your presence with us today. We thank you that your presence is in righteousness, joy, and peace. It is our portion today. He is your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will open our hearts to receive. Speak deep to our hearts today. Lord, let, our, let what you say to our hearts engage our mind and bring renewal, bring transformation, and bring complete freedom to those who require it and need it. We thank you that this is all founded in Jesus. Hmm. Wow. You may take your seats. Hallelujah. Ruben's on the ball. Thanks, buddy. You're doing a good job down there, guys. We're looking at a series on the Holy Spirit. We're in our fourth week of a five-week series, and we've broken it up with, uh, with in the middle of that, uh, Pastor Dan and Pastor Brett, Dan Vogler, a couple of weeks ago, and Brett Linder this week coming. Uh, we just felt that uh, it was really t- high time to, to start to encounter the Holy Spirit through evangelism and healing ministries. Amen. So we're in our fourth week, and, uh, and I've been enjoying the series. How about you? Yeah, I've been enjoying uh, just a fresh look at the Holy Spirit. And uh, as we've looked at the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, uh, we're seeking to understand what Scripture reveals to us about who God is. So we encounter God through the Word, don't we? We encounter an understanding of Him through the Word. But don't forget, we also encounter God through His enabling presence, His presence of grace. So we've got to take that which we encounter in the physical and his encountering presence. We've got to bring it back to the word. And what we learn from the word, we've got to bring back into a place to say, God, encounter me in this. It's understanding who he is and what he's doing. When we look at the times that we are in, the Holy Spirit is the most relevant person of the Godhead to us here and now. You see, God, the Father eternal is upon his throne in heaven. We see him there. We know that he is ever present and always with us, but we know that he's doing so through the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who is present with us today. Jesus, we know, is seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of God. He's in the power seat of God, and he's, uh, he's I suppose, instituting his justice throughout the world. His name is the Holy Spirit who encounters us. So he's the most relevant person of the Godhead in the here and the now. But the Holy Spirit... His whole purpose, his whole purpose in this world is not to issue justice. It's not to necessarily uh, establish the kingdom through force. It's to bring the kingdom of God in an encounter of peace. It's to bring the kingdom of God forward in righteousness. His whole purpose is to actually see that you would encounter the Father. His whole purpose in doing this, his whole way in doing this is he introduces you to Jesus Christ. 
You see, Jesus came to reveal the Father. We know that, don't we? And in his going, he said, I will, I will send another counselor. In the Greek word, that word is parakletos, another like me. Another helper is another rendition. Jesus says, when I go, another like me will come. So the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the Father through Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Like when we think about the purpose of the Holy Spirit, he's drawing the people of the world, those who are lost, those who are destined for destruction into an encounter with the saving grace of God. The Holy Spirit is working in our life to help us overcome and be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus through grace. And the Holy Spirit in our life is also empowering us as we are commissioned to go and to see the lost come into this encounter. It's called evangelism. So we've got to see the Holy Spirit. He leads us to Jesus, who in turn leads us to an encounter with God the Father. And he brings us into this place of acceptance and righteousness. So we've looked at over the the, the three weeks leading up to this week, um, certain pictures of the Holy Spirit. Micah laid out for us um, in his introduction of his series that uh, water represents the filling of the vessel. Wind represents the guiding of the vessel. And oil speaks of the anointing of the vessel for or with power. That was some pretty cool words, I thought. Yeah? So when we look at the fourth picture today which is holy spirit as a dove uh, we see that the dove would be the confirming of the vessel all of these four things the filling of the vessel the guiding of the vessel the anointing of the vessel the confirming of the vessel they're all important things in establishing our foundation in christ establishing our core establishing our mission the uh the completing of the vessel or the confirming of the vessel. It's even the commissioning of the vessel. And they're the three things I really want to talk about today. And we find that as God the Father secures our identity, the, the God the Son, He secures our salvation, and God the Holy Spirit secures our purpose. All three working together to secure our wholeness in Him. Look to your neighbor and say, you are whole and complete in Christ Jesus. You are, Jamie. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Like, really, really encouraging when you think about it. You see, God's not out there in some place that he's so far that he can't be, um, can't be touched or can't be uh, seen or can't be felt. He's actually living and present and with us in every moment of our day. We've got to remember that. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to take a God who is outside of our concept and our framework of mind and to bring understanding and framework around Him so that our finite minds would encounter the infinite. Let's open our Bibles today for our reading. Matthew's chapter 3. I've got it here. I don't need to open it there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 and 17. And it's the baptism of Jesus. It is... The ultimate point, in my view, in the New Testament, where we see the Godhead three in one. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13 reads, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, 
For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So this picture of Jesus being baptized, this picture of Jesus coming up out of the water and they physically seeing, manifest in their very presence, the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Them hearing audibly the words of God, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. We see in this picture such a beautiful, beautiful um, outlook of the confirming of Jesus Christ, don't we? There's the passage is rich with so many truths and we could spend days really breaking them down and, and opening them up for us. But for time's sake today, I want to work through these really quickly. I have at times drawn much strength from these confirming words of the Father that we read here. As co-heirs with Jesus, as brothers of Jesus, even as chosen of God, we can put ourselves into this text because God is just as affirming over us as he is of his son, Jesus. So I've taken great strength in myself in these areas. We have this beautiful picture of Jesus, the son, submitting himself to the will of the father in baptism. Instantly, we see John's reaction. I should baptize you. Jesus walks up to the Jordan. John knows exactly who he is. And he says, I should baptize you. But Jesus' response was, no, I can't submit to the will of man. I need to always submit to the will of God. In submitting to the will of God, Jesus fulfills all righteousness. As the heavens open before him, to hear the affirming words of Father God with the release of the Holy Spirit as a dove resting upon him. These words you would think would have been enough, but the confirmation is seen in the outpouring of the Spirit for all to see. In John's account of this same story, we read that the Holy Spirit remaining on Jesus, which was the confirmation of the baptism that Jesus was the Son of God. John writes in, uh, one, in John 1, 32 and 34, And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom, the Spirit, uh, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. You see, the Spirit, it wasn't just the affirming words that were heard. It was the Spirit coming upon him in the form of a dove that those who saw, John in particular, saw and knew that he was encountering the promised Messiah. He knew that he was with the Son of God. This Holy Spirit came upon Jesus who was the confirmation that he was the Son of God. Jesus was confirmed to those who saw. That's our first C, our first point, that Jesus 
was confirmed. When we see the Holy Spirit coming into someone's life and upon someone's life, it is a confirming that this person is acceptable unto God. The Holy Spirit both in us and on us is the confirming of the Father that we belong to him as sons and daughters. The thought of the Holy Spirit as a dove invokes some wonderful pictures in my mind. The dove is a beautiful bird, is it not? Compare the dove to like the raven. The raven in itself is a beautiful bird. The, the color, the, the size, the proportion of its beak, it's created beautifully. But it concocts something in our thoughts automatically when we think about a raven, probably because of this sort of color black that the raven is and, and how it's used throughout the world in different um, special arts and all those sorts of things. But the dove does not invoke the same form of emotion. What the dove speaks to us is something more around this area of peace. The dove is such a beautiful bird in the way that it not only has gracious appearance, but the way it interacts with humanity. The dove being sent out at times like a pigeon, but the dove itself being a little bit more homely, coming in. The dove itself, um, looking back into the story of Noah's Ark, that which was the world in complete turmoil being destroyed, the waves and the wind of the ark and all that sort of stuff, the dove representing as it's sent out and bringing back this olive branch, this sense of peace that God has restored the world. There's something about the the presence of the dove that would come. You know, God uses all sorts of birds within Scripture. Could you imagine if it was an eagle that was descending down on Jesus? God wasn't trying to invoke this sense of of grace and power and splendor and majesty upon him. He was trying to show that there was a completeness around Jesus. In being confirmed as the Son of God, God shows this through the picture of the dove. It represents gentleness, innocence, meekness, and purity. We know that Jesus didn't come to take the world by force. He didn't come with a sword as per se. But he came in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. He did come in a spirit that would see purity working out through our lives. On Jesus, we see his ministry was one of watchfulness, eager in all situations to please his Father and to lead in gentleness, innocence and purity. His desire was always to bring about a peace on earth and goodwill toward humanity. Even the angels in Luke chapter 2 and verse 17, when they appeared to the shepherds, their, in, their, their first greeting was that Jesus was come to bring peace and goodwill to all humanity. So we look at these things and we think the dove confirms that this is also the desire and intent of, G, of God himself to not send his son to condemn the world, but to save it. As we read in John 3.17, the kingdom takeover that the Jews were believing for was never intended to be a hostile takeover. You look around the history at the time of Jesus and we saw sects rising up and we saw all sorts of um, Jewish breakoffs and people rising up who were claiming to be Messiah kind of figures who were leading people into battle against the Romans. And yet Jesus comes in peace. It's completely the opposite to what they were looking for. Jesus came to restore this innocence with a meek and gentle heart. 
Even in trials and tribulation, God's intent is for us to remain at peace, remaining meek, remaining mild, remaining gentle, and God-fearing. You see, these are the things that, to me, when I look at the dove who came upon Jesus and ascended, descended upon him, we have perfect images of Jesus being a lion of the tribe of Judah. That, that God's grace being like an eagle, as we see up there within our own icons. All of these things that we see in Jesus. But then we see this perfect picture of the dove who would descend upon Jesus, bringing completeness. And that's my second point. I believe that we see this confirming of Jesus becoming something like that which is now completing Jesus. Within our text today, we see that all three persons of the Godhead were present and represented to bring this sense of complete reuniting. As the dove descends upon Jesus, and as the voice of confirmation is heard by the Father, we see a complete representation of the Godhead. Jesus, who left all behind to enter this world, we know that. He left the glory of heaven. He left all of his power behind as the third person of the Trinity, as the third person, the Son, the Word of God. He left all of that behind so that he would come to this place. He is now reunited as the God-man with the Godhead. And as a sense of completeness comes, which is, for me, the work of this word that we rarely use, but we understand as peace. It's the work of shalom. Who knows that word? Who's heard that word before? We use it in the context of peace, don't we? But the word shalom means to take from what is missing or broken to restore wholeness. I want to say that again. The word shalom is to take from what is missing or incomplete to restore wholeness. It's a good word, isn't it? It's, it's more than peace, but it is peace. It refers to all things working in unity and harmony. Like a husband and a wife who are on the one purpose, who have a heart seeking for God, who know that they're called by God to impact this world. When their hearts and their eyes and their minds are set upon Christ, this shalom of God, this completeness of God is whole within them and it brings a sense of peace into their relationship. It's, it's more than just peace. It refers to all things working in unity and harmony, like the bricks making a wall. That's why Paul uses the story of the building of the church, that you are the building, you are the, the church of God. He uses this, this story of interlocking the bricks together to bring a strength, a completeness, a wholeness, and that being built upon the foundation stone, which is Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? He brings this about because what he's working toward is a sense of shalom, this sense of wholeness coming in to the body. So we see in this picture of Jesus being reunited in a, in a, in a physical, uh, a seeable event, that Jesus was reunited with the Spirit of God and the voice of God. We see the Godhead reunited in perfect shalom. Again, shalom means to take 
from what is missing or broken and restore wholeness. The completing of such brings shalom when we talk about it, the context of bricks in a wall. It is the perfect description of peace. It's harmony. The dove represents this completeness. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit that confirmed his identity, that led Jesus through the trials, even to the cross, and who empowered him for his calling. But you say, Steve, Jesus was in turmoil in the Garden of Gethsemane, which he was. He, he was in so much angst and so much pain that he sweated drops of blood. And we understand that when Jesus was sweating that blood, it was because of the pain that he was going through, the, the very torture in himself that he knew what he was getting himself into. But he did not do so in the strength of himself. He did so in the shalom of God. But Father, not my will, but yours be done. And we know that the angels came and ministered strength to him when you read that account. But not my will, Lord, yours be done. And he set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing full well the pain that he was going to go through, knowing full well what he was about to endure. Jesus, in perfect shalom, came before God and said, not my will, but yours be done. It's this completing fact of the Spirit in the dove that I want to draw on here. It is the vision that God has for you and I. John 20 and verse 19, we read. I think that was already on there. That's it. John 20 and verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. So here we have Jesus has already been crucified Jesus is resurrected and the disciples are locked themselves in a house because they're fearful that they're next. They're, they're Jesus, their rabbi, the one they'd been following, had been crucified and now they're feeling like they're next. They're in turmoil. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, how does Jesus enter in through a locked door? It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus comes to them and he stands to them. And this is what he says. The very first word he uses is shalom, peace. He says, peace be with you. I often think it would be like when they were out in the, on the waters and they were rowing in the waters and they were against a great tempest and they were trying to get across the Galilee. And here they were against the storm. And Jesus appears to them as a ghost on the water. And how scared they were in that moment. Do you remember that story? How scared they were. And they say, Lord, if it's you, come. And, and here they are scared in this moment. It's almost like the very same thing happens in this room. And Jesus, he calms their storm in themselves. He calms the anxiety. He calms the emotion. He calms that which is causing them to fear what is about to happen to them and even what they're seeing. And the risen Christ, he says to them, peace be with you. There's something very important about this this presence of peace, this Holy Spirit that we're talking about, this shalom of God that we need to encounter. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side where he was pierced. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 
So he not only said peace, he not only carried peace, but then he showed them peace. He said, this is me. This is who I am. This is, you, you're not seeing a ghost. You're seeing me. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He who had received the Spirit as a dove, he who had received upon himself the Spirit of Shalom, he who had received upon himself this not only confirming, but this completing vision of God has now blown upon them the very same thing. He says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And as he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The first words of Jesus is the word shalom. Not just a greeting, but Jesus has come to bring completeness, to bring a restoration to his disciples, and especially Peter, who was to lead them. See, leading up to this event, Peter had denied them three times. He denied Jesus three times. Peter himself would have been completely wrecked inside. From, from going, Lord, if even if I have to go to the cross with you, I will never leave you, to in the very same evening turning around and saying, I do not know him. You're mad. I have no idea who you're talking about, what you're talking about. I don't know him. He would have been devastated. And Jesus' words are shalom. Not just a greeting, but he has come to complete you. He has come to complete you. There are people in this church, there are people outside this church who are looking into everything to try and find that which would fill the void in their life. They are looking into absolutely everything, whether it be good or bad. doesn't matter whether it's about the flesh or about seeking a religion to set them free. They are looking to fill this void in their heart that only the peace of God can fill. They are looking into all sorts of sciences. They're looking into all sorts of relationships, all sorts of work, all sorts of, of um, religious exercise or even spiritual exercise, all sorts of things to fill this heart void that only the peace of God can fill. It is the peace of God that can fill that. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. And we would say, being a Pentecostal church, being a, um, our, theology, our theological understanding of this very passage of Scripture would be that we would believe that this was the moment that the disciples encountered the born-again experience. That the Spirit of God would enter into their life and not only commission them, but would bring them to this place of completeness, restoring wholeness to them. 
that which was lost due to sin, that which was lost in the camp to the enemy, that which was lost in the garden was restored to them. And it's a completeness of their spiritual renewal. So we have this sense of the confirming word of God on their life. The confirming word of God on their life. That the, the Jesus being confirmed by the word of God and the spirit of God coming upon him is the same for us. That he confirms us like he confirmed his son. But then we have this completeness. He, he not only completed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and the confirming word of his God, but he completes us as we encounter the Spirit, and we are sealed into the kingdom of God. The third one would be the commissioning of God, the commissioning of Jesus himself, which is the commissioning for us. As the shalom of God came upon Jesus, he was led out and tempted in the desert. When you encounter Jesus for the first time, when you encounter Jesus, or you come to that place of surrender and say, Jesus, I'm all in. Boots and all, I'm all in. There is nothing that's going to take me away. There's nothing that's going to separate me from not only your love, but from your call on my life. When you come to that place of surrender under God, you will be tested. There's, there's no two ways about it. If it happens to Jesus, it's going to happen to us. Right here, right now, as the Spirit of Jesus, as the Spirit of God came upon Jesus as the dove, the very first thing that the dove did after he was confirmed, after he was in this place of saying, this is the one who I make complete. In that place, the Holy Spirit's first act was to lead him out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. You come to Jesus, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be tempted or tested in a real way. It's real. And he's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. The Holy Spirit leads him. The Holy Spirit leads you so that you will overcome Satan and the temptation that he would bring into your life. But thanks be to God, he gives us grace in these moments. It's called the grace of breakthrough. Jesus is an overcomer. Jesus is the breakthrough that we're looking for. His name is Jesus, and He gives us the same Spirit that caused Him to overcome. Therefore, you are overcomers in Christ. Forty days and forty nights, Jesus is led into the desert where He encounters not just temptation, but no food. Jesus was restricted to the fullest in His humanity. He was hungry. He was tired. He was worn out. He was worn down. Even mentally, he would have been challenged. I've seen people who have done fasts for that long and their mentality is challenged. They are, they, they are completely broken down and they're trying to do things in their own strength and the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus. And in those moments, he counters Satan's temptations with the word of God. At his weakest is when the enemy approached him. Who's ever been approached by the enemy in your weakness, in your weakest hours? Yeah? That's where the promises of God come really true. In my weakness, you are strong. Isn't that true? Jesus in his weakness encountered the peace or the shalom of God to overcome that which was his weakness. 
You see, he had to overcome the flesh. He had to overcome the flesh. People say, oh, Jesus should have got married and all those sorts of things. No, he had to overcome the flesh. As a man of 30 years old, he would have had the desires within his flesh to want to marry. He had to overcome that. He had to overcome all of the things that he could do. He had to overcome the pulls of his own community. He could have gone and been a rabbi in his own community and served the Lord well, but he would not have done what the Lord God had had for him. He had to overcome his own flesh. Jesus, he knew who he was as he was affirmed by the Father in our Matthew chapter 3 passage, having been made complete by the Spirit descending upon him. He is now a man filled with power and the Holy Ghost and grace, and he overcomes the attack of Satan. You want a formula of how to live the victorious Christian life. You cannot do it without the complete shalom of God. You cannot do it without the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. His name is the Holy Spirit, or we can call him the Holy Ghost. He is the spirit of the living Christ. He is the one who will bring completeness to our hearts and to our lives. I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I am talking about the salvation of God that would call you sons of the Most High God. You cannot overcome life without the Spirit of Jesus in your life. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. This is what gives us hope. We have hope in Jesus. Amen. We have hope. He says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about Him went out through all the surrounding country, and He taught in their synagogues before uh, being glorified by all. Jesus overcome all the temptation that Adam and Eve had to go over through. Jesus overcame the temptation that you and I go through, sometimes on a daily basis. He overcame them so that we could become overcomers. Jesus' desert experience positioned him for the powerful ministry in the Holy Spirit. From this very moment, the power ministry of of Jesus was combined with his teaching ministry. Jesus stepped into his commissioning, prophesied a long time earlier by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus takes a scroll in the few verses over in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, and he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year Of the Lord's favor. Yeah, God's got favor for you. Jesus proclaimed it right here. He's proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord's favor is now. He's drawing you by the spirit of shalom. He is drawing you by the spirit of peace. He's saying, Come home, my son. Come home, my child. Come home. Encounter what it is to be free. And you will encounter encounter the spirit of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And I love this. And he began to say to them, today, today, everyone say with me, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's an amazing picture. It's what God has for you. It is your portion. It is the Lord's favor upon your life. The Spirit of the living God is available for you. 
Jesus knew who he was based on the shalom of God and knowing who he was called to overcome. His commissioning caused him to step out from hiding into the open ministry and eventually led him to the cross. Up until this point, Jesus was walking around and just gathering a small crowd. He was gathering his disciples. But at this point, the Spirit of God descended upon him and brought a complete work of God into his life. God has a complete work for you today. I want to wrap up here with a story. And I know this story will touch your hearts in some way. The story is found in Judges chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. But I want to just say this first. That I believe the Holy Spirit, seen as a dove, represents the confirming, completing and commissioning power of God on your life. Natty, can I get you to come and lay down a couple of bees for me? The, the, the Holy Spirit being seen like a dove, the Holy Spirit coming down and ascending on Jesus is the same presence of the Holy Spirit who's coming down and ascending down upon you now. It's the confirming and the completing and the commissioning of God for your life. You see, God's got a call for each and every one of us. His children, all of us, are called to please Him. He represents in this text, the Holy Spirit as a dove represents in this text, the perfect shalom of God. He brings overall salvation. It is the sozo of your life. It is not just salvation of your soul. It is entirety of transformation that is available for you here and now. He can set you free of all sickness. He can set you free of all condemnation. He's the Holy Spirit of peace that will bring completion into your heart when you are missing something. The question I want you to ask in yourself right now is, what am I missing? And if you know Jesus and you know that the Holy Spirit has sealed you into the kingdom of God, then you should automatically hear the affirming words of God over your life now. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. If you can hear the words of God over your life, then let that be the power and the strength of your life as it was Jesus. But let me say, there's an encounter here for you today, if you don't. His name's the Holy Spirit, and He comes like a dove into our life. He comes to bring peace. He comes to bring meekness. He comes to bring all of the fruit of the Spirit, the, the love, the joy, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness. Even the self-control, you know, self-control is a hard one. If we told you just to do the works of God and, and overcome sin and no longer do it, you couldn't do it in your own strength. But the peace of God, He gives us this ability to have control when we feel weak. He is the perfect shalom of God. He is the real agent of change. He is the one that has sent to change your lives completely. You and I, we are called to bring restoration and reconciliation to this world. We can't get out of that call. That's who we are. If we're saved of God, if we're commissioned by God, if we're brought into this completeness of God, if we're confirmed as His sons and daughters, 
then we're called to bring a reconciliation to the world, an encounter with the world for the kingdom of God. But we can't do that in ourselves. We have to do that with the shalom of God. God calls you a world changer. But then He doesn't leave you in that word. He empowers you by His Spirit to overcome. Oh, Holy Spirit, have your way right now. My first first thing I want to do right now is I just want to ask everyone to bow their heads for me. Bow your heads like you're honoring God. It's not about what you're doing for me. It's what you're doing for God. In this place, I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And as the Spirit of peace who ascended upon Jesus and is now in this room, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to touch your heart right now. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. Draw the lost son home. Do what only you can do in this place. And I want to ask, are you missing something today? Just as you quieten your minds before God, as you quieten your minds in this place, some of us haven't had the chance to be quiet for a long time. Some of us are hearing things in our minds that are just completely going all the time. It might be about science. It might be about TV. It might be about computer games. It might be, it might be just about that girl across the street. Your minds are just not quiet. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I command your mind to be quiet. Spirit of God, do what only you can do. Just as your mind's quietened before God, your heart is going to leap and you haven't felt that before. It's called the Spirit of God as He's connecting with your heart right now. See, the Spirit of God's role is to bring you into salvation. It's to bring you into this place where the Lord God would encounter you. And His name is Jesus. He wants to show you Jesus. I said that at the start. Jesus wants to encounter you because... He died for you. The bad news is that we're all perishing. We're all, we're all on a pathway to destruction. Jesus talks about the wide gate and many go through the wide gate and they're on a pathway to destruction. It's a pathway that is the same. The destruction is the same word that he uses for the word lost. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. And I'm talking to the lost today. I'm talking to the one who is lost. You don't know the next step. They can't put their next foot, their foot in front of the next one. They don't know where they're going. I'm talking to the one who would be following the ways that they think is right, they think is best. I'm talking to the one who has gone through the wide gate and they don't know that they're on a pathway to destruction. Holy Spirit's right here, right now, who's quietened your mind and is speaking to your heart. And he's just saying, here, there is a perfect way. And his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. 
Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the gate. I am the way for you to the Father. In the same passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, the road to life, eternal. The narrow gate. The gate is narrow, but it leads to eternal life. In John's Gospel, he says that I am the gate, and he who would pass through me will pass into eternal life. I'm speaking to sons and daughters today who don't know God, who've never encountered Jesus. And if you today, allowing the quietness of the Spirit of God on your life as He hovers above you like the presence of a dove, I'm speaking to your heart today and I'm saying, come home. Come home. If you would like to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, would you raise your hands while every eye is closed and every head is bowed? I see that hand. I see that hand. If you would like to encounter Jesus, I see that hand. For the first time, right here, right now, and say, Jesus, I want to enter through the narrow gate. Raise your hand one last time, one last call. Praise the Lord. I see those hands. Bless you, Jesus. Would you all pray with me as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed? Lord Jesus, we thank you. How about we all pray as a church, eh? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to this world and you gave your life for me. I come before you as a sinner desiring to be saved. I know my portion should be destruction. But I know you are a God of love. You died on the cross for me, Jesus, to set me free. Lord God, I am sorry that I have lived my way in rebellion to you. I ask, forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me brand new. I ask to be a new creation today. I ask to be set apart for you. Be the Lord of my life as you have been my Savior. I ask right now, Lord God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit who would seal me as a son of God. Holy Spirit, bring perfect shalom. Say, thank you, Jesus, for your love. And so that's the first thing I wanted to do. Well done, everybody. Those of you that raised your hands, um, for, if that was for the first time, I want to hear your story this morning. I want you to come to me after the service, and I want you to tell me what God's just done in your life. If you've done that again for another time because you knew that you needed to encounter God and you want to recommit your life, that's a fantastic thing. Make sure you grab one of the, um, another Christian today and you tell them what you've done. Make sure you let them know what Jesus is doing in your life. Is that okay? Can you do that? But I said I'm going to finish with a story. Judges chapter 6 is the story of Gideon. I really wanted to teach on this story this morning, but I... I just want to say one thing. 
I think prophetically the story of Gideon in this moment, this part of the story, not his end, not what he finished up in, but, but the call of God on his life, I think prophetically is a word here for you as a church today, for us. Gideon, Gideon was a man who was hiding in his wine press, threshing his grain. He wasn't out and loud about doing what he was doing. He was hiding because the Midianites had come against him. Some of you that have encountered Jesus today have felt that you're hiding and you've been hiding because of the oppression of the world on your life. Today's your day of breakthrough, amen? The Holy Spirit, by bringing this completeness into our life, by bringing this shalom of God into our life, it calls out the valor of God in your life. See, an angel of the Lord, it says actually, if you read it in the right text, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. Gideon bowed down and called him Lord. He didn't call him Lord, little L Lord. He called him Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He called him um, he called him God, Yahweh. He called him Elohim. He called him Lord. So we know that it's not an angel that's appeared to Gideon. We know it's the, it's the perfect Christ in, a, in the Old Testament form before he was revealed as the person that we know of today. Gideon hiding in his wine press, hiding from the very call of God on his life. And there's people in this room who are hiding from their call of God on their life. Gideon hiding. He hears the voice of the angel of the Lord. He hears the voice of Jesus Christ. And he says, mighty man of valor. The very first words he says is, peace, mighty man of valor. Gideon had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he called out this completeness of who he was. He called out this commissioning of who he was meant to be. And then he gives him a task and Gideon responds. It's an amazing passage of scripture how Gideon goes and tears up the altars to the false Baals and, and the asterisk poles and all that sort of stuff. Gideon is confirmed. While he was hiding in the wine press, Jesus says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Some of you need to hear right now that the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The second thing is Gideon is commissioned. Have I not sent you? Has Jesus not sent you? He says in Matthew 28, go into all the world. He says it to all who would follow him. You don't get an option. You don't get a choice. If you follow Jesus, the choice is to go into all the world, to live like Jesus in this world. Because Jesus would not only say, mighty man of valor, he would say, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you to change the course of the Israelites from idolatry back to God? That's what we're called to do, is it not? And there is a sense that if Gideon was confirmed and he was commissioned, even though Jesus didn't say this as the angel of the Lord visiting him, there's this sense of completeness that comes to him. As he encounters Jesus in this place, he builds an altar to Jehovah Shalom. It's the first time in Scripture where we see God is called Shalom. Gideon calls him and builds an altar to, to say, 
This is the place that I encountered Jehovah Shalom. The Lord of peace. In the midst of a war, in the midst of the Midianite armies coming down and stealing all of their grain and stealing all of their things, their herds and all that sort of stuff. In the midst of the battle, and we've all walking through battles in life, Jesus would come and the altar built to Him was the altar of the Lord of peace. Jesus restores to him his dignity. He no longer called him to hide, but to move forward in battle and defeat the Midianites by trusting in the counsel of the Lord. My last question for you. Will you choose to believe that we have encountered Jesus in the same way? I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Jesus comes to confirm you. Jesus comes to bring the perfect shalom of God and complete you in your life. And Jesus has come with commissioning power to see you break through. Will you choose today to say that I've encountered Jesus Christ? Invite the worship team to come and they're going to take us out with our last song. Jesus, the shalom of God, the perfect peace of God is present in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in this room right now. If you would choose to believe that God has called you, commissioned you, and completed you in this place, then I want you to worship God. And even if you would like some prayer about that this morning, I want to open up the front for you. We've got pastors here. We've got other people that might need to pray with you. But I want to call you out. As Micah leads the team into worship, I want to say our service is coming to an end. But God's service in your life never comes to an end. He says you are His mighty man of valor. Women, that's an inclusive term, okay? You are a mighty woman of God, a mighty woman of valor. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your ministry today. Holy Spirit, we want to encounter you in your perfect peace, which would lead us into all understanding. We come before you and we let go of our own plans and our own life. And in fact, we want to lay them at the altar tonight. Today, I choose to be all in. Once again, as I encounter your perfect peace, I know that I will overcome every battle because you have called me to be an overcomer. I choose in this very moment to look to you. No matter what comes my way, whether it's financial difficulty, whether it's temptation to sin, whether it's I'm not sure who I am, whether I'm having trouble with my spouse, when I'm having trouble with my children who are not yet in your kingdom, I choose to look to you and I ask for your peace that would bring a completeness to my dreams and my desires. I lay it all at your feet, Jesus. And I ask that you would empower me.